I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to the Simply Convivial Podcast. Have you ever said that your goal or your hope for your children is that they be lifelong learners? If so, have you ever said of yourself that you are a lifelong learner, that you want to be a lifelong learner, that you put in the effort to be a lifelong learner? If that's not something that you are seeking after yourself and living out and being, then it's not what you're teaching your kids to be. So let's talk about being lifelong learners as mothers, what that looks like, and how to make it happen. All the time, I hear and see the question, how do you, as a busy homeschooling mom, make the time to read? Yes, they ask because they want to know how I fit in reading, but more broadly, they ask because they want to know how any mom, even possibly can find time to read. It feels difficult, impossible sometimes, and we wonder if this is just not the season for us to be readers. The reality is that I am no model for reading. I probably read a whole lot less than you think I do, but I make the most of the time that I do read. I never read as much as I plan to and definitely not as much as I would like to. I can easily go days without reading. And that's because of the all too familiar reality. Life gets busy and reading is easily crowded out of busy days. Reading really is antithetical to busyness. Reading requires us to pause and stop, not only to physically stop and sit, which might be difficult enough right there, but also to mentally stop our internal ticker tape mind and think someone else's thoughts. Yet both of these ways to stop are reasons why we must build reading into our lives. They're good for us. Part of what makes reading difficult is also what makes it fruitful and helpful. It is worth the time to simplify your life for learning and to make time for reading as a mom. Let's dig in and talk more about how to make that happen. A couple years ago, when I finished the book, The Intellectual Life by A.G. Sertelange. Yes, he's French. One thing that struck me was just how practical the book really is. Not just practical in the way all good principles are practical, but actually full of nitty-gritty tips throughout. Although there were discourses commending the life of contemplation, which is Scolet, for the most part, he assumed that only those actively trying to learn through deliberate and intentional reading are reading his book. The people who already want to, and the only question is how. Perhaps he knew that it's those drawn to the contemplative life that most need prodding toward virtue in actual actions of life. So it wasn't really a why have an intellectual life. It really was and is a how-to 
have an intellectual life. Now, an intellectual life might sound too far-fetched and esoteric for a stay-at-home mom. But even if you aren't researching a particular subject, don't intend to write a book someday, and don't consider yourself intellectual, much of his advice is still sound and applicable if you want to simply be a lifelong learner and reader and to help your children do the same. Really, in our culture, intellectual can often have negative associations. Negative, at least for those who don't see themselves as intellectual. We think that it means someone who thinks too much, makes up theories to impose on others, and who doesn't get anything of practical use done. However, just like we might pick up a book on the spiritual life and expect to be challenged and restructure our days based on the advice contained in such a book, so it is with a book called The Intellectual Life. Perhaps even we might need a book called The Physical Life, reminding us of how central our health and strength is to every other facet of our life. All humans are bodies, spirits, and minds. We all have these facets to our lives, and all three of them require development, care, training, and growth. Sertelange recognizes that. And though the book is titled and about the intellectual life, he does not neglect the spiritual or even the physical. All three elements are woven throughout in his suggestions. And we need to remember, especially if we are homeschooling, that we not only are building our own intellectual lives as lifelong learners, but we are helping our children cultivate and build their intellectual lives. And the more that we understand how it works and how to do it, the more effective we will be in that project. And we can't give what we don't have. So we need to be cultivating and developing our own intellectual life if we want to help our children do the same. After all, intellectual does not mean uber smarty pants. Intellectual really refers to possessing understanding. Seeking after wisdom and knowledge, having a desire to know and following up on that desire is living the intellectual life. And Sertelage says it only takes two hours a day. I know. (laughs) Even two hours is sometimes too much to ask of a stay-at-home homeschooling mom. The good news is in the book Deep Work by Cal Newport, he says that we need at least one hour of deep work a day. And then eventually we can build on that. Surely we can find one hour, right? Sometimes not even that for real reading. So we can go to another source. The original article on mother culture in the PNEU, which is Charlotte Mason's educator magazine. The article was not written by Charlotte Mason, but it's referred to widely in those circles. Says that to keep her mind fresh and active, a mother should read for 30 minutes a day. We know that if we can't do that, we are too busy. That is not asking too much, but still it is difficult. So how do we build that habit of reading into our lives as mothers? Sertelange says we need to simplify our life to make it happen. 
So you know I'm all about that. To learn something is to internalize it, and it takes attention and concentration. The 30 minutes, or however long you have, cannot be fragmented, distracted, interrupted time. Sertelange writes, In the organization of our life, the essential point to safeguard, in view of which all the rest is necessary, is the wise provision of solitude, exterior and interior. Solitude is hard to come by as a mom. But if it's a priority, we can make it happen. Even just for 30 minutes a day. The real question is not making 30 minutes of solitude happen. The real trick is actually using it for reading and thinking and learning instead of distraction and entertainment. And I love how he points out that the solitude must be both exterior and interior. Even if we shut off the noise of activities around us, we haven't done enough. We must turn off the noise and the scattered ramblings of our own heads. We have to focus, and that will take practice. Cal Newport refers to this in his book, Deep Work, where he says, Activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration push your cognitive capacities to their limit. That means it's hard, but that means the more you do it, the better you get at it. It won't stay hard if you keep at it. Cal Newport also warns, spend enough time in a state of frenetic shallowness and you permanently reduce your capacity to perform deep work. So if we don't carve out the time to think, to read deeply, then we will actually lose the ability to do so. And I think that we've all experienced times where that's our reality. It takes practice and dedication to slowly build that capacity back up. Distraction might come in the form of our kids or our phones, but it also happens because of our scattered thoughts, and frazzled emotions. We need to grow in our ability to disconnect from distraction, whatever kind happens to be around us, so that we can focus on ideas. Here's my challenge to you. Brain dump what distracts you when you sit down to read. Consider your environment, the devices, and also your own head and heart. What gets in your way of paying attention to the words on the page and thinking about them as you read. What is one action that you can take to minimize at least one of these sources of distraction during your deep reading time? Find a time where you can do that deep reading and build the muscle of concentration, thought, and inner solitude. The fruit that comes from it is intellectual growth, which affects every other element of our life, including our practical day-to-day ability to fulfill our duties. More than that, we will be living out the lifelong learning that we say is so important to us. Stick around for more tips for homemakers who want to live according to their priorities, to work with faithfulness and cheerfulness at home for the glory of God and not themselves. That's what we do here. Repenting, rejoicing, repeating over and over. So stick around 
and join us. And that's it for today's episode. As parents, it's easy to feel at a loss because we see that we also need a lot of help, support, and growth. But it doesn't have to take having all the answers or doing everything right to parent or homeschool well. It takes humility, love, and repenting, rejoicing, repeating. With a mindset that sees the value in walking in the way side by side with our children, our husband, our friends, in a life of sanctification, we can find the courage and the grace that we need to continue. In July and August in Simply Convivial Continuing Education, we'll be working together through The Art of Homeschooling, a course which helps us set goals, expectations, and motivations that are aligned with a spirit of humility, love, and truth. It's not too late to join us and get started so you can learn how to answer the inevitable frustrations that come with homeschooling for us and for each of the kids too. Head to simplyconvivial.com and click the green enroll button to get started today. And no matter what, repent, rejoice, repeat.